Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to Chris Frostad, who's the CEO of Pure Point Uranium. They are an explorer of uranium in the Athabasca Basin. Now, if you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Uh, we can also find detailed company reports and commentary from market experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There's also training videos on there and summaries of other interviews that we have done just to save you a bit of time. And of course, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other too. So go along and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Chris, how are you doing, sir? Very good, thank you, Matthew. Well, thanks for joining us. Another uranium story. We, we love a uranium story around here. Yes, I see you've had a lot of them on, so we thought it was time to join the party. We, we've, we've, we haven't had all of them on yet. There's a few avoiding us. I'm not sure why. Not sure why. Well, <laughs> um, thank you so much for making time to join us. Where are you joining us from? We're in Toronto here. Our head office is in Toronto. Uh, all of our heavy lifting actually happens in Saskatchewan, but uh, uh, we're, we're locked up here in Toronto for now. Oh, fantastic. And uh, life good? Or are you at home? Are you managed to getting into work? What's up? No, no, things, things are good. They've uh, Toronto seems to have adopted quite well to, to what's going on here. It's certainly our, our downtown core is a bit of a ghost town these days, but uh, uh, it's it's been incredible how, how quickly and how easily everyone's sort of gotten into this sort of mode of, uh, of operating day to day. It's great. It's the future, Chris. It's the future. Yeah. Um, right. Well, we're going to hear your story today, which, uh, which, is, which is great because you know the Athabasca uh, story as well. Um, so, but why don't you kick off, first of all, give us that one minute overview of the business and I'll pick it up from there. Sure. Uh, Pure Point Uranium is a uranium exploration company. We operate in northern Saskatchewan uh, in the, the Athabasca Basin, which is, I guess, famously known for its high grade uranium. Um, in that area, we have uh, our primary project right now is called Hook Lake, which is a joint venture. We operate uh, with our partners, Cameco and Arano. And it uh, and beyond that, we have about uh, another 100,000 hectares of, of projects that we've advanced over time and a portfolio that's that's uh, sort of ready, ready when the markets are ready to uh, uh, to move them uh, forward again. So I think survivors are a word that springs to mind when I think of you guys. Yeah, a bit of it. I think there was 20 of us uh, bumbling around out there uh, before the tsunami hit Japan. And, you know, of that 20, I think there's only four of us left. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a go. It's, it's wow. Wow. That's the, the, there's some numbers for you. So what do you, what do you make of all, we'll get into your business plan in a second, if you don't mind, and then telling sure. the story about, just if you don't mind, a bit of market stuff, because you, you've, you've seen it all, right? Um, you, you've got a lot of new entrants coming into the marketplace now, as, as there's a little bit more of a free sum of excitement. Mm -hmm. what, what, what do you make of well, that? Well, you know, back in the day, there was hundreds of us, it seemed to be. It was, it was uh, cheek to jowl out there. But, uh, um, you know, over the last 10 years, unfortunately, there's been a lot of false starts. Uh, in the in the uranium field, um, things started coming back in 2010, and then uh, and then the tsunami hit Japan, and then in 2013, all those Japanese reactors were supposed to come back online, and the U.S. Uh, Russian deal was was going to come to an end, and then 2015 it was going to come back, and then 2018, and now the uh, COVID and it's coming back now, and every time that happens, obviously we see a few new players. Uh, who are who are looking to take advantage of of, uh, of an upswing in the market, uh, rightly so. But it's uh, you know it, it it's tough each time because you know when you're a new company coming into play, 
uh, at a low point in the market, um, you got to make some pretty big statements. And, and then you have to hope that uh, the market comes back before uh, reality strikes. So it's, it's been tough for a lot of folks out there who have come in early on, who, um, who've got a story to tell. But, uh, you know, this, this isn't a quick game. Um, you know, it does, it does take a little bit of time to find these things and, and uh, to, uh, to get where you're trying to go. And it doesn't happen overnight. So um, uh, it's, uh, yeah, we, we're seeing new people now, as we always do. But uh, we are, you know, we're continuing to march on. It, yes, it strikes us that there's a lot of different types of stories out there. There's some, you know, quick win, promote type stories. Mm -hmm. People get excited because they don't necessarily get into the facts. I mean, again, just from you, what you saw last time around, you know, before mm -hmm. and after Fukushima, she said went from 50 to about, seemed like 400 or so companies. <laughs> Not many got into production, yeah. Um, yeah. but a lot of people put their money down. So do you see some parallels from back then to now? Are you starting to see the same sort of storytelling? Not so much parallels. I mean, it was, you know, the last time there was a big rush, it was after about a 20-year hiatus. I mean, what was interesting back, uh, you know, say 15 years ago was the fact that uh, everybody that was out there was starting from a cold dead start. Uh, um, no, there had, it had been decades since a lot of exploration had been done and the, the industry had missed a complete uh, exploration cycle. So everybody was back in and it made it tough to work because one year everybody's flying uh, geophysics, you couldn't get a plane. And then the next year everybody's doing ground geophysics, you can't get a camp. And then they were drilling. And, uh, you know, it, that period didn't last long. There's about six, seven hundred million dollars spent over that three, four or five year period. And, uh, and it all kind of went away before we really got into the meat of a lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, I think the only discovery, there are only two discoveries during that time, Millennium, um, but that was early on. Chemical was already under that and probably uh, Hathor's uh, Rough Rider at the time. So every, every, you know, everybody that came and went and had slapped a uranium bumper sticker on their car kind of kind of drove off and, and went after something else. Um, but, you know, there, there are a number of companies, there's a few that were in it for the longer haul that, that took a, a serious look at, at exploration and how things are being found. And, and, and the change in what needed to be found, um, you know, there's maybe 40 deposits have been found in the basin over time. But, um, you know, there's only it's only maybe six that are over 100 million pounds. And because the economics, like we have to get into cheaper uranium these days, obviously, Kazakhstan's kind of set a new bar. Um, so it's not just about finding uranium, it's finding uranium of the right size, the right grade and the right cost to produce. Otherwise, you're, you're you know, you're you're. You're not serious about it at the end of the day. Well, yeah, I think that's the thing. It's not just about sticking the uh, uranium uh, sticker on the back of the car. It's um, you, the asset needs to stack up economically. Are you, are you, again, I'm interested in this. We, I promise we'll get into your company, but I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this space where you're starting to see some of the same old, the word old mm -hmm. assets being pulled out you know, which don't have the size, which don't necessarily have the grade, which don't have the economics and... Not necessarily, not necessarily. And that's okay. not to say that things don't change over time. There are new theories, there are new approaches that really need to be seen. I mean, let's face it, um, early on in the day, uh, when you go back, um, everything was uh, unconformity. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, we're talking about a bowl in the Canadian Shield that is at the Basque Basin that's full of sandstone. And all of these deposits are being found at that contact point. Um, so that's as far as you look in terms of depth. You're talking Nobody specifically about 
You're, you're talking specifically about um, Athabasca here. Right. So in, 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 as exactly, part of your experience. Exactly. Yeah, okay. the Athabasca Basin. Got it. You know, so what, what certainly what, what, uh, what we've seen now with Fission's Triple uh, R and even with the Arrow, you can find these things outside of the basin because, in fact, a layer of sandstone got scraped off. Not only that, um, we're seeing that the, um, uh, the projects on the west are very different from the projects on the east. Um, one of our, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna suck into talking about my company in here. So mm-hmm. one of our projects, Smart Lake, which is another uh, joint venture with Cameco, is on, is on the west side of the basin. And it was our priority project before Hook Lake sort of lit up. Um, and we hit uranium there in our first poll. But we were always initially out there looking at it through the lens of people that have been working primarily on the east. And what we see now is we really, really understand that Patterson trend. Um, that it's a very different setting. You're, you know, you're dealing in, in basement hosted deposits. You're dealing with different settings that have come from different places. And when we go back out to smart now, after five, six, seven years with the chemical folks, um, we look at that rock and we see it is it, very different. Now we recognize it as something that is very common to the West that we weren't looking for before because we were used to seeing it in the East. So. To come back to your question about about rehashing old projects, that that's not to say that there's not value in doing that in a fresh set of eyes. Sometimes, sometimes. Again, I think sometimes. we're, I think we're sometimes. sometimes sometimes we're st- well. No, I only say this in the context of one getting to know you, but but two sort of also looking around what's happening in the gold market at the moment. You've got a lot of you know some some good companies. The the, the prices, the spot price is right. It works for a lot of people. Um, you know, but that doesn't work all the time, and uh, we see the same projects for the second, third, fourth, or fifth spin around. Um, anyway, we should talk about you. We, we see, and we see that as well going on in, in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, yeah, and 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 elsewhere in the world. I, I think it's fair to say. But we're going to we're here to talk about you, Chris. So, mm-hmm. and before we get into the business plan, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Because we've not spoken or met before, and I've not heard this story uh, from you before. So, why don't we kick off with your track record experience and, and the team you built around you? Uh, sure. Well, actually, I've, my background is in finance. I, I'm a chartered accountant. I worked for Deloitte originally. Uh, but um, uh, to take a bit of a left there, I spent more than 15 years in technology before I got uh, involved in the resource industry. And this was, uh, this I've actually previous to the internet. So my, my boom days in, uh, involved with PC and Charlie Chaplin, uh, the spokesmodel for IBM and whatnot, and work with uh, primarily startups, early stage, high growth companies, um, and eventually uh, work with, uh, with a venture fund here in Toronto uh, on the, you know, on software, software companies and, and those sort of high growth situations. Um, it was about 15 years ago, um, my brother, who's the geologist in the family, um, lured me over to the resource side of the world, and uh, we started. Uh, we founded Pierpoint uh, with a few other folks that are still part of the team. And um, and since then, I've uh, you know I managed to turn around in a, a copper gold project down in development project down in Mexico, and and a few other things. But uh, it's uh, my my primary focus has been on has been with Pierpoint. Okay, and that's, uh, do you want to tell me about the rest of the team? Then he was your brother's involved. What's he do? Sure. He spent most of his early career in a gold exploration, uh, working with a number of the majors with, with black minerals and tech and plaster dome, and uh, ultimately wound up in Saskatchewan working for Kojima, which is which was Arriva and is now Arano. Um, and it was uh, his work in the basin that, that kind of prompted him to start looking at uranium uh, differently than a lot of the folks in Saskatchewan have been looking at uranium. 
Um, you know, at that point in time, it was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a languishing market back then as well. And, uh, and he saw some opportunity and we, we went out and staked, we've probably worked through about 350,000 hectares of property, uh, out, uh, throughout uh, the basin over the years. And the real trick is to, is to move on as quickly as you can, because it costs you money to hang on to these projects. And, uh, so we were, we were able to very quickly cull through. Um, a lot of property uh, very, very early on in the process and, and uh, save and maintain those ones that have the, had the best uh, prospects moving forward. Right. Okay. Uh, so just the two of you, that's it, is it? No, there's uh, our chief geophysicist is a fellow by the name of Roger Watson, who's a, uh, he's a, uh, we, we actually uh, pulled him out of retirement for this. He uh, founded Patterson, Grant & Watson, which is a, a fairly significant uh, firm here in Toronto, in, uh, in Canada. Um, actually, a number of the folks at Cameco used to work for him as well. So um, he, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of geophysical work uh, required uh, when you're looking for uranium because it's, it's uh, uh, uranium is, is for the most part invisible to geophysics. So you're looking for a lot of clues and things to, to hone in on. And, and it's, it's a very precision process too. It's not a big flat layer of uranium, uh, uranium sitting across uh, Saskatchewan. Um, so Roger's been been a key key uh, key member of the team. Our CFO Ramar Mashandran was uh, I knew him back from the Deloitte days, but he was the deputy director of the OSC for many years. Um, so we we've got a pretty solid team that's been with us for for some time now. Right. And so how would you describe your team? So who there has been making money for shareholders, right? So who who's built companies and made money for shareholders before? Who's got that track record? Sure. I mean, you know, it's, it's my, my background involves a, a number of, of these sorts of situations, right? Again, coming from the technology field, it's a little different, different geeks, but, but there, you know, it's still, it's still a startup. And, uh, you know, uh, I've grown and sold a number of, of companies over the years, uh, primarily in that, in that world. And when I brought that experience into the resource industry, particularly into exploration, I always looked at exploration companies as a startup, a perpetual startup, and you have to operate that way because you don't know when the good times are going to end and you don't know when the bad times are going to end. And, and you can't, you can't start acting like you can't get out ahead of your skis. And, and that's the way we've run the company. I mean, we have, we've got the lowest overheads of our peers and always have, um, because there, there's no need to get ahead of yourself in that regard. Um, you know, we've always, uh, you know, treated our, our shareholders' money as wisely as we can, understanding that, you know, we are, like I say, an ex as an exploration company, we have no revenues and we have no assets until we actually build one and find one and, and create something out of it. So, and, you know, until that happens, until you're done doing that, which is, you know, who knows, um, you, you have to act accordingly to, to create that value. Okay, so you're saying you got you have some track record of creating shareholder value, although I like sure. your phrase, different type of geek, right? Okay, um, technically literate people from whichever field they're in, um, and you're cost cutting. Okay, get that. So what's the philosophy here? Because we've seen people, we've spoken to people like you know Bill Sheriff, who said up until maybe six months ago, the time wasn't right. From Fukushima to now, the time wasn't right. There's no point in pretending. There's no point no. in selling or overselling. Is, are you saying that's where your head is at too? Because you do have a... That's exactly right. You know, I'm, I'm just looking at you. You're a 10 million Canadian, right? 10 million Canadian. It's like, it's not a whole bunch of money, right? 
right. you've got a you do have a big long list of of assets. I know you focused on one with with Arana and Cameco, mm-hmm. who are significant you know holders in that. And as I assume you have the other twenty one percent, do you? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about your philosophy. You're saying it hasn't been the time hasn't been right. You've looked at all. You've talked about all of these catalyst moments which have come and gone. Um, were you one well, of those people that was ever hopeful that the, one of these catalysts would be the moment, or do you, did you suspect that it's going to would take a lot longer? I mean, talk to me about what you've been thinking during this period. Well, I think you know we 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 um, we we see we see the we see the light at the end of the tunnel. We just don't know how far out it is. Absolutely. And so we, we've ha- always had to act accordingly. If we were a private company, we would have quietly folded up our shop and waited for the world to come back again. Absolutely. As a public company, you can't, you don't have that luxury. Um, you know, you have to continually show that you're advancing, that you're doing things, that you're, that, that you're, you're there for the people that have invested in, in that company. So, you know, besides just, just making sure that we're, we're lean from a financial standpoint, we've had the, we've, we've, uh, we've been blessed, quite frankly, with the relationship we have around Hook Lake. And we've leaned on it quite heavily because, um, you know, you've got a project that's very relevant because of the neighborhood we're in. You've got a project that is supported on an ongoing basis by the majors. Um, that uh, is uh, being advanced on a regular basis, that we're, we're finding discoveries each year. Um, it keeps us busy, it keeps us working, it keeps us in news flow. But the math is, is quite simple. If we're going to spend a million dollars out there, I have to come up with my $210,000. As operator, I get 10% back. So I get another $100,000 back. So for, a, say, a $3 million drill program, I only have to come up with $330,000. And that is fabulous value for, for the shareholders. Meanwhile, I have a portfolio of projects that are well advanced, that are safe and sound and haven't been passed around. And when, you know, at the right time, when the market's correct, when the uranium price corrects, um, you know, we will, we will continue to still be a solid, uh, viable uh, uranium exploration company. But, it, but it's all so small at the moment, isn't it? I mean, I know you've raised some money recently. You do. It was about... Two hundred seventy-five thousand bucks, and you know, that, that, I guess that kind of keeps keeps the lights on. And you're you're talking the language. I've seen the press releases of you know programs upcoming and all the rest of it. But it's just just a bit of noise in the marketplace to let people know you're still around. But when do you think this gets going? I mean, what 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 does twenty twenty one look like for you? I think you know you you have to be a realist, and I and I, and I don't think investors are so silly not to re- not to remember that they're. There are some people that are going to be fooled by, you know, the hyper promotion or whatever, whatever the term is that, that Canada has been throwing around. But, um, you know, the fact is investors can't, are, are not going to forget certain things. And so uh, to the extent that investors are looking at the uranium market and willing to take some sort of a bet on the fact that there is going to be a correction and it's going to come soon, uh, the next thing they have to look at is, well, where am I going to put my bet? And if I bet on this particular company, am I going to look up one day and lo and behold, they're, they're a vanadium gold play instead, or they're a, a blockchain company all of a sudden? You know, who's going to actually make it out the other end and be the uranium company that they invested in? And, and that's, been our, that's been our approach. Um, and we've kept it small because we, we try to keep our dilution small. We're, we raise money on an annual basis purely for the money that we need in the, in the coming year. That minimizes our dilution. It's a harder way to go. It's a little more work. Um, it, it uh, you know, it, it, but it, it doesn't get us out making grand and bold statements that we may have to live up to a year from now or two years from now 
people are going to remember that that you know what happened to that big statement you made three years ago. Yeah, we do definitely hear a lot of that. Uh, <laughs> we do hear that a lot. But okay, so so like okay, so that's the philosophy. You 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 you're being pragmatic about the situation in the marketplace, and you don't mind being slightly behind the curve. It sounds like. Uh, because you you therefore can't be wrong in terms of going out, raising a lot of money, and then it being another false dawn in the in the world of uranium. Well, not just that, but we also know that you know when in a bull market, which we're all expecting to see in uranium, the developers will probably do better than the than the producers, and the exploration companies will probably do exponentially better than the developers. It, we've seen it in the past; it happens time and time again. So I think um, you know from a risk reward standpoint. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying bet the farm on an exploration company, but I'm saying that there, there is a, there is a place in that uranium portfolio for an exploration company because it's going to give you your big, probably your biggest lift. But let's, but let's, uh, but let's come back to what people are buying into here, okay? Because, yeah. um, you know, like the last cycle, and we're starting to see it again in this cycle. You've got a rush mm -hmm. of people, formerly got, you know, formerly whatever they were doing, lithium. All of a sudden, they're doing uranium, and there's more uranium companies, and I say that mm -hmm. use that word loosely, coming into the space again, and that's white noise because they're going to say the same things as you. So, what would you say to investors, especially the generalists coming in looking at this space? Why are you any different from the kind of slew of these young juniors coming into the space, and you know, and um, flying the uranium banner? Sure. Well, I mean, I, th I think a lot of it falls back on our partners. Um, you know, we, I can tell you that, that uh, Cameco, Arano, uh, we've worked with Rio Tinto in the past. They cannot free up budget for a project that doesn't have the potential to deliver at least, at least 100 million pounds of uranium. And as long as they are financing this project, that's where their head's at. As a matter of fact, Cook Lake represents their most important exploration program right now because they're doing very little exploration and, and yet they are continuously freeing up funds for this particular area. Um, it is, it's the Patterson Lake uh, corridor is, is, you know, proven to be quite the, uh, quite the toy box. We have had a couple of companies come on and talk about, you know, Iran as a partner or at least, you know, Iran optioning, but Iran not putting their hands in their pockets and spending money at the moment. So what are you saying about? Cameco and Arana, are, are they giving you money? Because I noticed, are you the operator on them? You're the operator on yeah, Smart Lake. Operator. You're the operator yeah. as well. Okay, so how much money are they spending at the moment on Hook Lake? Uh, we're, we're putting a million and a half dollars into our grill program in January. Um, but we've, we've typically on an annual basis, they've been spending, you know, average probably three million. It's been as high as five million some years when we were focusing in our Spitfire deposit. Um, there's a, about a 14 kilometer stretch of the corridor that goes from the triple R deposit through next gen zero up to our Spitfire deposit. And so we spent a fair amount of time on, on that, on that deposit. It was, we were getting rates up to 13%. It's still open in a few directions, but, um, you know, our attention right now is moving further north up that trend because we've got another eight kilometers of, of structure that, that needs to be uh, examined. Okay, I know, I know you talk about spending, having spent 25 million bucks so far. How much of that on Hook Lake on, on, and on projects which are active at the moment? How much useful money has been spent? And is that 25 million? Sorry, come? 25 million. Where'd that number come from? Your PowerPoint said 25 million invested to date. Oh, since, we, since the beginning of time. Oh, since so the beginning of time. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been. 
um, you know, on Hook Lake itself, collectively, there's been about $20 million spent. We've spent a significant amount of, of money on our other projects. And actually, we were able to spend that money during a time when, when, um, when the price was up, when, when, um, when uranium, uh, was in a bull state. And, and that were, those are the projects that we, uh, we now continue to hold. And uh, we've done all the preliminary work on those projects. We've done some preliminary drilling. We've found uh, uranium. Um, I mean, these are great projects that we will get back to. But, you know, to be honest, uh, to raise money at these prices at this level and put it in the ground, the market will not will punish you for that. They're not uh, they're not rewarding you for that. So we keep them safe and sound and, and uh, we're ready to go. OK, so that statement of 25 million invested to date, that is retrospective across the existence of the company. Okay, so the better number we should be looking at is the number you're talking about, which is 20 million collectively, Arana, Cameco, mm-hmm. you guys, have has been spent yeah. on the Hook Lake project. Is that the thing we should yeah. focus in on? Okay, so what, uh, what do you now know about what you've got and what does that look like going forward? Because it's just, it's sure. still exploration, right? It's still exploration. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know what 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 we do know what we've been able to do is is create a real model i mean you know understand when we when we sit down at our technical meetings with these guys there is no less than a couple of dozen technical uh, folks from Cameco and Arano around the table and these are geologists and geophysicists and, and specialists structural geologists and and folks that have been looking at, at all of these projects across the basin for years and around the world um so what we what we've been able to do is really model what this looks like, this trend, and we've been able to find us because we have a lot of data from ERA, we have a lot of data from Triple R. We've got the Geological Survey of Canada has done a huge uh, uh, research project on the on the Patterson trend. So we now know what this looks like every time we start to hit it, and we can we can show you, and we have presentations and and uh, and uh, videos online to to show those similarities, but. All of these deposits, all of this mineralization, has a um, has a common signature. You know, it's it's parallel bands of conductors. It's it's where it sits. The mineralization starts about 50 meters below the unconformity, and and we see it occurring over and over again. So, you know, at Spitfire, which is the the kind of the southernmost point of our claim block, uh, we've got another eight kilometers to go, and we're focusing this current season on what we call the Saber Zone. It's further to the north. And what we see there with, with some of the early drilling we've done is that we're coming into that model again, only on a much larger scale. And uh, we've, uh, we've done a fair amount of geophysics over the last year, an interpretive work to figure out our drill program and, and our drill targets. And uh, that's really where we're going to be going this winter is right into the belly of the beast. And, uh, you know, really it's that next area. That we want to move up. Into. Right. So, how do you finance all of this? Because you've got, you know, six projects listed on your on your PowerPoint. I know you focused on uh, Hook Lake, which is about you know Cameco and Rana have thirty nine point five percent each. You've got twenty one percent, and they are your. You've got to match their uh, exploration budget. Is that, that's the way it goes. You're not carried or anything, yeah. right? No. Okay. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But, it's, but it's not big. It, it's not. It's not big. But what's the t- what's the what's the schedule? What's the plan? I know you've got drilling in January, but you know, you're, and you're talk, talking about eight kilometers of strike. There's a lot of money to drill a lot of holes to get the information that you need before mm-hmm. Rano or Cameco say to you, right, I think we've, we've, we've got everything we need here. It, it's, it's years ahead of you, isn't it? So how do you fund it all? 
Well, it always is. I mean, let's face it, they're, they, you know, they, the big discoveries of the last, you know, 10 years, um, I can I can tell you because we've done the math on average, they spent $17 million before they hit their first discovery hole. I mean, these things aren't cheaply found and, and they're not easily found. And it takes a lot of time and research. And, and our partners pace us, right? I mean, we're spending a million and a half dollars this winter because that's the right amount of money to get the next piece of information we need to go further. They don't like us spending money and going out and getting more information before we fully digested what, what it is we've got. And so what's been helpful for us over the last you know, five, six, seven years is that they keep us honest, they keep us, they pace us um, and, and they help direct us in a manner that, that uh, looks for this stuff in a very serious, serious manner. Because let's face it, if we go find another, you know, 15 million pounds. I mean, the back of the envelope Spitfire is probably about 13 to 15 million pounds and we could make it bigger, but that's not the type of resource that's going to get mined. But do you, do you not feel out of control here, Chris? Because Iran has got a whole bunch of other obligations globally, right? cameco mm -hmm. has got their own concerns at the moment and they, they work with a number of other, other companies too. So mm -hmm. depending on what's happening in their boardroom, They'll make decisions mm -hmm. that are the best decisions for them, not necessarily for you right. or your shareholders. So, so when do you get back into control? Back into control. Well, I mean, it, it, so long as the project continues to, to advance and continues to look prosperous, uh, there will be money brought in. Like I said, I think last year, Chemical only uh, budgeted money for three exploration projects globally. And, and the biggest amount of money was spent on, on Hook Lane. I mean, it, it's a project that, that they see as a priority. Same with Iran. And the fact that they allow us to continue to operate um, also speaks well of us. I mean, we know what we're looking at. We, we take, take their, uh, their opinions uh, seriously we, um, and, and their input. They're, um, they're very respectful of, of our role as operators. At the end of the day, you know, we are responsible for the technical decisions that are made um, but, you know, we, we certainly would not make a technical decision that we didn't think they were going to approve of. Um, so as long as that project is as viable as it is, as long as that district continues to be worthy of uh, drilling, and we're not wasting money drilling holes because we've got two majors telling us we need to drill this. Uh, this is the only place in the world we need to be drilling right now. Um, as long as that continues on and, and we, it, it could continue on for a while, we're okay. We're okay. Our other projects are fine. We spent ample money on it historically, but we don't have to worry about losing those projects. Um, and, and we will continue each year to go out and raise, you know, the small amount of money that we need to, to hold up our end of this, this particular project. But don't you want to have the kind of freedom to build this out at, at a, at a pace to, cause you know, Arano and Cameco are, you know, the steady horse in the race, they're, they're, they're big producers globally. Um, they've been doing it a long, long time. Don't you want the mm -hmm. kind of freedoms that people like NextGen have where they're, you know, they're going to apparently sell 25 million pounds into market once they're in production every year. Good, Good for them. <laughs> well, certainly. And we have those projects, right? We have those projects on, on the East, um, you know, and, and quite frankly, for us to own 21% of a, of a deposit, the size that we're talking about is, is okay. I mean, there, there's two other aspects to our agreement with, with, uh, with Camelot and Arano that are, that are somewhat interesting. First of all, they don't have a rofer on our 21%. What that means is 
they can't, you know, it, it does have value. We can sell it to whoever we want at the end of the day. Um, it doesn't have to be them. And that, that kind of keeps everybody honest. The other thing is we have, we have a fairly significant area of interest around that project, which means that if any of us acquire anything in the area within, within a certain distance, um, we need to deal with our other partners. They, they get in accordingly. Well, you know, there's, there's two of the world's biggest deposits sitting uh, within that area of interest right now. So, you know, we're, we're firmly entrenched in there and it's not like we don't have control, um, but we're not the major shareholder. And let's face it, 21, 39 and a half, 39 and a half, you still need two votes out of the three and one of them has to be ours um, to move one way or the other. But, you know, I, again, it's all moot because they are fabulous partners and they are hugely supportive and, um, and, and I think, you know, to, um, in this market to be raising crazy money to pour in the ground on projects that, you know, that, that require a lot of work, you can't find uranium by spending half a million dollars a year. You know, it, it doesn't happen that way in the basin. So you've just raised 275,000. Uh, How much cash have you got today? We got about a half a million dollars. Right. And that's about, and that's about what we typically have. Um, around this time, we now get our budgets out of Cameco and Arano. Uh, we have we have the benefit of, of tax advantage uh, flow through uh, raises here in Canada, um, and so we, we go to go to the funds and uh, you know raise what we need for the coming year, and uh, and we move on. Um, I think if if uh, if we were to start making well, you know, you have to watch the bet. We have to be here. Right. We have to be here. We will be here when the bell rings, undoubtedly. And we will have fabulous projects to invest in. And uh, and we'll continue to uh, have our partners behind us. Okay. So how do you spend $1.5 million in January? That's I know that's collectively, right? That's not you. That's, that's collectively. collectively. That's right? collectively. But even with your portion in there, you're, you're kind of running down the, the cash. So you're going to have to go and raise yeah, a bit we're, we're in the process. We're in the process. This is our. We're in the process of our annual raise, if you will. So as we come near to the end of the year, again, we 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 lean heavily on these tax-advantaged uh, shares, the flow-through funds. Uh, that means we don't have to raise it at a at a big discount. As a matter of fact, we typically historically get a premium uh, on our market price. Um, those those funds are typically looking to deploy money around now, which is the end of the year uh, for tax time. And so it's, it's, it's kind of the, the, the method we go through. So now we're talking to these folks, we're raising money now, and we'll be putting together the exploration money that we need for the coming year. The, the amount that we just closed are our non-exploration money. Uh, they pay for, um, um, they pay for my computer and my camera so I can talk to you and, uh, and that sort of thing. Right. I mean, so how do you guys pay yourselves? I mean, you, you, you your brother, you, you mentioned somebody you brought out of retirement. I mean, we, we, how, we, we take a salary. We take a salary. And again, you can, you can, you can look us up and you'll see that, that we get, you know, we are, we are operating at, at the lowest levels of, of our industry because we recognize the fact that we, you know, where we are in this market. And if we're going to come up the other end, that's the way you have to operate. Okay. Like, like what, what do you pay yourself? I, mean, I get, I get $10,000 a month. Okay, reasonable. Okay, it's fine. I do, I do other things to keep myself busy too, but you yeah. know, which we all have. But um, but you know, and 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 my brother operates under the same you know the same ballpark. So okay. it's uh, and and most of the work we do out there is contracted out the drilling, and uh, and and we just keep things light and lean, and 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 always have. It, okay. This isn't just something 
decide to do today, yeah, you can look back for years and see this is how we operate. So you got what? How many shares have you got out at the moment? Fully tallied? Uh Yeah, over a little over two hundred million. A little too. We're probably the only one. We also, haven't done a consolidation of our shares. Yeah, so, no, uh, I th- I, yeah, I, th- I think the, your PowerPoint talks about two hundred and twenty-three million and that, yeah. that that sort of quantum. Um, are you big holders. I mean, how much do you or your family, your brother? Yeah, management insider. We own about seven percent. Okay. Um, the uh, the Geiger Fund out of London and uh, Excellent Capital, which is a, a flow through fund here in Toronto, they each have a little shy of ten percent each. Uh, there's a couple of other flow through funds that collectively have about ten percent. Um, so the, the the retail the retail is a little late of of two thirds. Right. So when's this thing get moving? When's it get moving? When does it get moving? Yeah. You know, it really gets moving when we start seeing contracts written. I mean, you know, I think we're everybody is kidding themselves if they think they're going to see any value until we see the the uranium market truly, truly come back. And like I said, there's been a lot of false starts over the last ten years. And uh, and you know, we can watch the spot price all we want, but until we see you know real contracts written, um, it, it's not happening. And and you know, the other the other problem that investors have is we don't we don't see the the contracts that are being written necessarily. We see the ones that are being tendered, um, you know, RFPs are being put out, but I mean, the Cameco's of the world, the big utilities, they're dealing direct, it's all off market and they're writing contracts now. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll know it when it happens, but, uh, you know, it continually guess that maybe it's gonna be next week, maybe it's gonna be next week. You know, we, we, all, we all believe it could be and should be, but uh, we can't start acting any differently okay. until we really know. That I, I agree with you on, on the macro. We, we talk about it every week in our weekly um, uranium show on, on the Crooks Investor Club. Um, I totally get that, right? And I think a lot of people, maybe not people, need to under, understand those contracts need to start being written. Utilities, US utilities, need to start, you know, upping their game for sure. But I, the question was directed at you and your business as an explorer in the Athabasca mm-hmm. Basin. When do you mm-hmm. start moving things? What are the things that you're doing to start moving your share price? Or are you saying that's also dependent on, you know, spot price or I contracts think, being written? I think, I think at the end of the day, it is. I think what you'll notice if you look back over the last number of years um, at our stock price, you'll see that it's rather stable. We are not a volatile stock. We're not jumping up and down depending on the amount of promotion I'm doing. And... Uh, it doesn't happen that way for us. And, and we, we have good liquidity. Oddly enough, we have a lot of liquidity in our stock and, and we're fairly constant. And I think that's because the market has figured out our value. They figure out the value of our partners and of the projects that we hold and the projects that we're working. And until we see some real true movement in the uranium price, um, we have to keep operating the way we're operating now, which is to you know, ass- you know, assume that, that this may be a few more years. And we hope it isn't, um, but but we can't stop um, protecting you know the, the money that we raise and investing it in the best way possible right now, which is following with our partners and keeping keeping that uh, you know that project moving forward. M- moving it moving it forward a little bit, great conserving cash is great, and I appreciate your view of the market and uh, the constraints that's, that that's putting you under. But you're still around to be able to make a decision in a few months' time. When things get going, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 we we want to we need to be in that space. I mean, again, we're not reliant on one project right now. That's where our focus is because economically, 
and and from a from a uh, a news flow standpoint and 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 actually in a, in a real sense where are we most likely to find the next 100 million pound deposit it's right there and it's being pushed and promoted by our by chemical and iran um but but uh other than that we have to make sure that, that we're we're operating you know in a realistic fashion and uh for those those shareholders that are that are investing in in pure point they're investing in the industry they're investing in the comeback of uranium projects knowing that we will be there and we will uh you know we'll we'll be a properly positioned exploration company okay yeah i think i think the things i'm picking up today from you is the fact that yeah right part of the world is great but more importantly for me compared to some of these to use tim's mm-hmm. phrase hyper promoted companies who don't necessarily have too much is you've got real partners in the right part of the world um who don't well, hang around all, if it's not real we all, right and we all, we also have the right projects so for instance we have you know we're, we're focused on hook lake but just to the west is one called smart lake as i said which was which was a project that um, was a priority before the money and the focus moved over to hook lake um, we found uranium there in our first drill hole uh, we only had one drill program there, and it is tied directly into Clough Lake and uh, and Kiana to the north. Um, we went back there with the uh, chemical geologists earlier this year and started relogging that core, and it started putting together sort of what would be our next steps when it's time to move. On the east side of the basin, we've got other projects. We've got a project called Turner Lake, which is actually the, the axis of a, of a huge structure that wraps around like a pinwheel. And, and has a number of significant showings on it. Around those water found showing at about 5% over 10 meters. Uh, you've got chemicals of rock, which is 34% over 10 meters. Uh, you've got ISO, you know, ISO energies, hurricane zones on that structure. It goes right through our, our Turner Lake project. And, you know, we can't wait to get back. No, no, no I appreciate um, that. And maybe if we, if you come back from the show, we, we can talk about all of these other, uh, could be, could mm-hmm. be projects. Um, I, I do appreciate the, have some substance to them if the right amount of money is thrown at them. So I do, I do get that. I, today was really about me to understand what your mindset is, um, what your capabilities are, what your cash position is, and the timing of, sure. of, of all of this. And, you know, and I've kind of come away thinking, okay, at least you're partnered with the right people in the right part of the, part of the world, and you've got the Absolutely. right attitude to um, cash conservation and a slightly more realistic view of when the market comes back, it seems. Sure. And I, and I think, you know, and if anything's carrying us the most, it's our partners, right? The fact, the fact that Cameco and Arano continuously fund this project, and it's one of the few that they, that they fund around the world. Um, and, and we know that they, they cannot fund anything that doesn't have the potential to be a real winner, a uh, hundred million pounds plus a high grade, um, because, you know, the market is shifting from their perspective in that they have to continue not just to find uranium, but they have to find a low cost uranium. Kazakhstan's really pushed a whole bunch of people off the other end of that cost curve, and uh, um, that's that's the struggle now. Is where do we find the low cost uh, uranium? Appreciate it because nothing nothing else is going to get is going to get mined at the end of the day. That's true, Chris. Like appreciate your uh, time today. Appreciate and and also telling us that story for the first time. It's it's interesting. I think we'll go into a little bit more digging. As a result of that, but uh, stay in touch. Let's know how you get on with your uh, drilling in in January. Um, we'd be interested to take that phone call. Thank you. Super, super. Thanks again for having me. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? 
or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.